and the rest of us, I invite you to take your Bible and go to the scripture for today that is going to be found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 21 to 21st. The verses will be on the screen to follow as well. <coughs> is Jesus saying, He said to them, Do you bring in a lamb to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider careful what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does, doesn't have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise to be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, we do give you thanks for your word. I'm grateful for the opportunity to sing worship. I'm grateful for the opportunity to meet with you and to gather with my brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> Lord, everything that we do, everything we do here today is meaningless if you aren't a part of it. So we ask, come Holy Spirit. Fill us up. Speak to us. We, your servants, are listening. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bind my lips and my tongue, that no false word might pass from them. And you have the power to just move me aside completely and speak straight to the heart. You can skip the ears. And so please speak to us, God. We love you. Amen. So you know how when you're a kid, and I feel like this especially happens for boys, but, but probably for girls as well. You know how when you're a kid, there's that one house in your friend group that's kind of the house, right? Everyone gathers at this house. Every after-school hangout, every weekend slumber party happens at this one friend's house. And there's a couple of reasons why this takes place. This house might be selected because of all the fun activities that they have to offer, right? Maybe they're the house with the pool or the house with the ping pong table or the, the home theater or, or, or something like that. The other reason why this house might be selected as the congregating house is if uh, the food is particularly good. Every friend group has one mom whose food is just legendary, all right? I can see it. Some of you are tasting this food in your memory right now. For me in my friend group, this 
house uh, was the, the home of Mrs. Teresa Streck. The Strack House was the house. All of our parties were there. I probably spent more nights at the Strack House than I did at my own house for a period of three or four years in my young adulthood. Uh, they also had a, a ping pong table and a basketball goal, which helped. But, but the food and their hospitality is really what drew us in. And I, uh, whenever I would show up at the house... I would go and do what maybe some other teenage boys would do. And the first thing I would do is I would check the fridge. And, you know, I'm sorry if that makes you cringe. I would just show up at these people's house and walk up and check the fridge. Because I wanted to prepare my heart for what was coming. You know, how, how good is this going to be tonight at, at dinner time? And uh, there were many things in the fridge that would excite me. But there was one thing that excited me above all else. If I opened the fridge and I saw four-layer cake, I knew we were about to go off. All right? You, you want to talk about just rich, decadent, moist layers of chocolate, four of them, chocolate cake, mixed in with this, the creamiest of cream cheese frostings you've ever had. This four-layer cake is the pinnacle of desserts, and it was the pinnacle of what we ate at the Strax house. Now, there's this rule in our society, and it's generally applicable to all things. It's this rule of quality over quantity, right? We've all heard this, quality over quantity. Better to have a few really high-quality things than many, many low-quality things. This, this rule can generally be applied to just about everything, and... Uh, what you might be thinking I'm going with this is that it was such a rich, sugary, amazing dessert. It's better to have like really a kind of a small, high-quality piece that you really enjoy than to eat way too much of it and get sick from all the sugar. But that is not where I'm going with this. I have a sin to confess to you guys. Um, whenever I would open up the fridge and see this four-layer cake, I would try and get my two Strack friends, Stephen and Michael, away from the crowd, and I would tell them, guys, you know what's happening tonight. I saw it. What do you think about this? We keep the cake in the fridge until after everybody else goes home, and then we have a really high-quality sharing experience. Right? Better to have a really high-quality share with just two or three people than uh, just share it with everyone and have kind of a quantity experience. This was my logic, and um, I don't feel good about it. But uh, luckily, my friends, Stephen and Michael, are much more hospitable and generous and kind-hearted than me, and they would always shoot my idea down immediately, and they would share it with everyone. And, and this is why they did this. Stephen and Michael Strack understand that there are some things in life that are simply too good to keep to yourself. There are some things in life that are simply too good to keep to yourself. And, and that is what this passage is about. Mark chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, Do you bring a lamp in to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? This is one of my son's favorite songs. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. 
That was not super convincing, but we'll, we'll let it slide. You're really supposed to, no, you're supposed to yell that part because you don't hide a, a little light of yours under a bushel, whatever a bushel is. Or, or in this passage in my Bible, a bowl or a bed. Some things are too good to be kept to yourself. You don't bring a light in. Jesus is just sharing common logic. You don't bring a light in and put it under a bed or a bowl. It's ridiculous. You put it on a stand so that it can accomplish its purpose. And here's the thing. This sounds obvious, but, but we need to say it. Jesus is one of those things that's too good to keep to yourself. Jesus is the lamp that shines light from the lampstand into the darkness of the world. And and there's one other place in the Gospels that says this more beautifully than anywhere else, in my opinion. This is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It's going to be on the screen. John writes, In the beginning was the Word. You'll notice the word, Word, is capitalized. That's a reference to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is God. He is eternally past. He is eternally future. And then in verse 3, it says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is creator God. But here's the, here's the four-layer cake of this passage. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When I was a kid, my grandfather and grandmother took me and one of my sisters on a kind of a trip of a lifetime sort of experience, and we saw all these different sites, and one of the places they took us to was Carlsbad Caverns. Anyone ever been to Carlsbad Caverns? A few of us. Carlsbad Caverns is so awesome. And they took us on a tour of the caverns, and I will never forget this one moment on the tour. There's this moment, if you've done it, maybe you've experienced this. There's this moment on the tour of Carlsbad Caverns where you're deep, deep down in the caverns. And the tour guide kind of brings everyone to a halt and then says, okay, everyone, no lights allowed. Turn off your phones, watches, flashlights, candles, headlamps, nothing. No lights allowed. And, and then the, the tour guide says, all right, everybody stand very still because I'm about to turn off the lights and you're going to see what real darkness is like. And they turn off the lights. And when I tell you that you cannot see the hand in front of your face, this is a, an overused metaphor, you, you cannot see the hand in front of your face. If you haven't been deep underground, you have not experienced darkness like this. And it's not the kind of thing where, you know, give it a few minutes and your eyes kind of adjust, your pupils dilate, and they they can take in more light, and then you can see a little bit. There is no light for your pupils, however dilated, to take in. You could be down there for days, and you will not see anything. And I remember what it was like looking, trying to find my own hand and failing to do so. And I just thought, light is 
very, very important. If we were down here in this darkness and we didn't have any light, you will die. Okay, if you're down in Carlsbad Caverns without access to any light, you're going to die. You're either going to, to die wandering around and, and getting lost forever, hopelessly in the ins and outs of the caverns until you starve to death, or, or maybe you're going to fall off one of the cavernous cliffs and just plunge to your doom. If you don't have light in the darkness, you will die. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. Jesus, the light, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Some things are too good to keep to yourself, and here's the the really good news. God agrees. God agrees that some things are too good to keep to yourself. You see, we're in the midst of Jesus telling all these parables, and he's telling these parables about what the kingdom of God is like and how that that gospel message is shared. And, And there's a farmer, there's a planter who's spreading seeds, and the seeds land on different soils, and the different soils are the way that different people receive the message. In some, it has room to take deep roots and room to grow and bear fruit, but in others, there's there's rocky soil that can't grow down, or there's weeds that crowd out the fruit, and you and I are different sorts of soil. And in every parable, there is a planter, a farmer, someone who plants the seed of good news in the soil of hearts, and that's God. God agrees that Jesus is that thing that's too good to keep to themselves. Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son so that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Jesus didn't consider equality with God, though he was God, something to be grasped. Rather, he laid himself down, taking on the form of a servant. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's sent to be the advocate, the awakener, the one who stirs our spirits to be able to have faith in the first place. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit believe that Jesus is too good to be kept to himself. And so Jesus is saying, do you put a lamp on a lampstand or do you put it under a bowl? You wouldn't put it under a bowl, you put it on the lampstand. Your heavenly Father is the same way. If God has a lamp, God's not putting it under a bowl or under a bed. He's putting it on a lampstand. And God is looking for lampstands. God is looking for people who will be lampstands to carry the lamp of Christ into the world. About two and a half years ago, we had a baptism in this sanctuary and there have been many baptisms in this sanctuary, and they've all been absolutely, beautifully wondrous occasions. There is one baptism that we've had in this sanctuary that I will never forget until the day I die. It happened about two and a half years ago. As a young boy in our community at the time, he was nine years old. His name is Jackson Moreno. Maybe some of you were here and you remember his baptism Jackson Moreno is a lampstand. Sweetest little boy. 
when he was baptized, he, he's standing in that baptistry over there, and the light of Christ is shining off his face. He hasn't even been dunked yet. I mean, you can see he has a nine-year-old boy with tears coming out of his eyes because he's so joyful at what's about to take place. I mean, he, biggest smile you've ever seen, Jackson Moreno. And he was dunked, and it was a beautiful moment of celebration. And then something happened. There's something about baptisms. Um, when we get baptized, at least here, we don't wear a swimsuit, right? We wear our regular clothes. I actually was baptized in a swimsuit because I was baptized in a Bible church that has baptisms in swimming pools. And that's totally fine if you were baptized in a swimsuit. At Covenant, we don't get baptized in a swimsuit. We normally wear our regular clothes, and there are some church communities where they have like not only regular clothes, but a special baptismal gown, like a big flowy white gown that you wear when you're baptized to symbolize the, the new life, the cleansing from sin. Here's the thing. If you go out in the street and you see someone wearing a swimsuit and the swimsuit's all wet, that, that's, that's not out of the ordinary, right? You just expect swimsuits to be wet. They, they were probably swimming. But if you go out in the street and you see someone who's wearing regular clothes and they're dripping from head to toe in their regular clothes, you might ask, okay, now there's a story. Something good just happened. I, I want to find out. Did they trip and fall in a pond? Or, or what's going on here? Did the sprinklers come on? How is this person so wet in their regular clothes? Jackson understood this principle. Jackson came up out of the water, and he walked down those stairs, into the open waiting arms of his parents. And do you know what he asked his parents? He said, Mom, Dad, nine-year-old nine boy, can I wear my baptism clothes all day so that everyone I meet who asks me, why are your clothes all wet? I can tell them I got baptized and I can tell them about Jesus. You want to talk about a lampstand. Jackson Moreno is a lampstand. There's one more thing Jesus is teaching in this passage. In verse 23, uh, he says, Whoever has ears to hear, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And in the midst of these parables about sharing the good news of the gospel and how different people receive it, Jesus has a little teaching moment for his disciples. He teaches them a life lesson that's also a lesson that I learned in my marketing class in college. The life lesson is this. The marketing lesson is this. If you don't believe in your product, you're not going to make any sales. Can we say yes to that? If you don't believe in your product, you're not going to make any sales. If you don't believe in what you're selling, you're not going to make any sales. And I can explain this using an experience that I think we've probably all had by now. And I might step on a couple of toes, and if I do, I'm sorry. You know I love you. There is a thing in our society where this principle is true more than anywhere, any other example I can think of. And it's a, it's a realm where 
the growth of the, the industry happens in a similar way to the gospel, right? It relies on, or it used to rely on at least, kind of word to word, word of mouth, person to person communication. You're, you're spreading the news, the good news of essential oils. These oils are essential. Um, and I just, I guess I'll get it in case I'm stepping on toes. Let me tell you, I do believe essential oils are good for some things. I've had a headache decreased by peppermint oil. I believe that thieves oil is the best, you know, surface cleaning solution that, that you can have. Uh, I believe that many of the oils smell really good in your house. Uh, you know, I've had people come up to me and say, this cures cancer. And I just can't get there with you if you believe it cures cancer. But, but here's the deal. If you are going to be one of the ones, back in the day, you couldn't get this in the stores or on Amazon. Nowadays, you can buy essential oils in some stores and on Amazon. Back in the day, you could not do it. If you wanted to get essential oils, you had to get it from somebody who had gotten it, who got it from somebody who had gotten it. And, and it kind of grows in this multi-level marketing empire, right? And, and there are people who believe in their product so much they're like, this has changed my life, and it'll change your life too. And, and when somebody really believes in that, that belief can be contagious. I, I'm not the person to, to get on board selling this, because I don't believe in it that hard. But, but there are people who believe in the gospel message, message of essential oils enough to sell it and to build a, a huge industry. Now it's on, on shelves and on Amazon. Jesus teaches this lesson to his disciples. Listen to this. Jesus says in verse 23, If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And then he says in 24 to his disciples, Consider carefully what you hear. Now listen, this is a, a list of parables, a series of parables about how different people receive the gospel message. And in some people it takes root, and in some people it doesn't. And why is that? Well, Jesus is saying to his dear friends, his chosen lampstands, consider carefully what you hear. Don't rush past this. He continues, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more, or some translations say, even more will be added to you. In those days, builders would have a, a measuring rod, and there were two things that they were super confident in about this measuring rod. They were super confident in how long it was or how tall it was, and they were super confident that it was straight. And these builders would stake lives upon the truth of this measuring rod. They would build structures that if they were using a false measure would fall down. But if they were using a true measure, it will last and stand. And Jesus is saying, However you receive this message, if you receive it with the measure that says this is true, it will be measured to you and even more. Now, what does that mean? Well, Jesus explains it in verse 25. He says, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Here's the principle. Belief is contagious. Belief spreads but but on the flip side of that there's another truth unbelief is contagious unbelief will spread and so reading 
between the lines of this lesson from Jesus, Jesus is inviting people to be lampstands, but he's saying this fundamental truth that he's teaching his disciples. You cannot, will not, live a life of mission for Jesus as a lampstand if you don't have a personal faith. If you don't believe that Jesus is the light for your own life that is the difference between life and death, you won't live a life of mission telling other people the same thing. Cultivating your own personal faith is an indispensable part of being on mission for Jesus. I have an invitation for you. Some of you are receiving this message and you're living a life on mission for Jesus or a life that is mission for Jesus. Your, your very being has been transformed into that of a lampstand. And you, if you're doing that, that means that you have cultivated a strong personal faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you are receiving this and you're like, a life as mission, like my life is mission for Jesus and nothing else. That seems so far out of the question from where I am today. And, and it's overwhelming, but here's the deal. You don't start there. The foundation on which the life of mission is built is cultivating your own personal faith in Jesus. And that happens in groups of people. That happens in community. If you don't have a space where your own personal faith in Jesus is cultivated, I want to invite you to join a small group. We'll have a slide on the screen with the QR code. There are many great things that happen in small groups at Covenant. It's a space where we build friendships, where we celebrate life's joys with one another. It's a space where when we come in with, with spiritual and emotional and mental and even physical wounds that, that we minister to one another and heal those wounds for one another, we cultivate a, a space of healing, of wholeness, of health, of prayer, many beautiful things that happen. But there's one thing that happens that's, that's really applicable to this passage. This group, these small groups are a space where your personal faith in Jesus can be cultivated. We're a group of, of support, of encouragement. We're a group of people that are all following the same goal. We want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We want to grow in this, and we recognize that it's hard. There are all sorts of influencing factors in the world that want to smash down, stamp out the seed of faith that has been planted into our hearts by God. In a small group, you will find a space that is protected a space that is filled with people who have contagious belief. And there's enough of us that if you show up and, and your faith isn't feeling very contagious that day, you can receive from others. And there's enough of us that some days you're going to be that contagious faith that shares with other people. Friends, God is inviting you to be a lampstand. Not just to live a life on mission, but to actually be a lampstand that carries the light of Christ into the world. He's inviting you not to live a life on mission, but to, to be a life of mission. 
And if you don't have a space in your life where that personal faith is cultivated and can grow in a a safe, communal, loving environment, I hope and pray that you'll consider visiting a small group. I believe that that place can be a space where your personal faith can be cultivated and grow. You're invited. You, You could show up this week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you believed and still believe today that the light of Jesus Christ is something that's too good to keep to yourself. I pray, Lord, that you would implant that conviction into each and every one of us here who are willing to open our hearts, the soil of our hearts to receive it. Won't you cultivate a a firm conviction an indestructible faith that Jesus is the one thing we need more than anything else. I pray, Lord, that if there's even just one person in here who's thinking, I need that. I need that space where my personal faith can be cultivated. I want to live a life on mission. I don't know where to start. Or or I'm living a life on mission, but I'm getting tired. I'm getting burnt out, and I need a space to to just have maintenance for my faith. Maintenance that, that doesn't keep me in the same space, but that pushes me forward and onward. I pray that even if there's just one person, that, that they would respond and be added to a small group. I pray, Lord, that you would protect these groups, that you would make them a space true to their values, that they would be a space of encouragement and support, where your Holy Spirit shows up and fosters faith gives birth to new life. And if you're willing, I just invite you in this moment to just offer a brief prayer to the Lord that that says, if you're willing, God, won't you please plant the seed of faith in my heart right now? Thank you, God. And as we continue in this time of offering, Lord, I ask that you would bless the gifts and the givers alike, that you would bless the gifts to be multiplied and and be effective in bearing fruit in your kingdom, and that you bless the givers with the freedom that comes from giving things away. We love you. We trust you. Increase our faith. Amen.